0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of Nigeria Politics Weekly. My name is Michael and co-hosting with me is Phoenix. Today we have one guest. Our guest is Oscar. Oscar is a member of the Indigenous People of Biafra Movement, popularly known as IPOB, the Biafran Separatist Organization in Nigeria. The three topics we'll be discussing today are firstly, we're discussing Pastor Tunde Bakare, who says, don't blame me for Buhari's failure. Our second story is reports by the People's Gazette that Washington Post, New York Times, and other newspapers have rejected pro-Buhari propaganda sponsored by Attorney General Malami. And thirdly, we'll be discussing Buhari's introduction of the NBC Nigerian Broadcasting Commission amendment bill. So firstly, Phoenix, our first story, Pastor Tunde Bakare says you should not blame him for Buhari's uh, failure. What do you make of this, Phoenix, giving, given Tunde Bakere's
1: prominent role in helping Buhari get elected? Hi, Michael, and uh, hi, Oscar. Welcome to um, our podcast and hello listeners, thanks for joining again us again this week. Um, <laughs> I think with, with Tunde Bakari, there's there's this eternal quest for relevance and always trying to make himself part of the new cycle. Um, I don't see why anybody would blame um, Tunde Bakari for for Buhari. Um, yes, people associate him with Buhari and he has not hidden the fact that uh, that he's a Buhari acolyte sought to defend him. He has always, I mean, this is the same person that told us that uh, God told him that Buhari will stabilize Nigeria. So he has tried to use the pulpit to, to whitewash and, uh, and, and present Buhari in a certain light. But, you know, some other times he will try to change mouth and say something else. But well, to go as far as to say people will blame him for Buhari, for me, it's just personal aggrandizement, as far well as I'm concerned. I mean, what well, I mean before I mean the 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 Buhari. I mean, you he ran with Buhari in t- 2011 and they failed, and he of course yes he, he was there in the in the periphery. He was there part of that same Nigeria group that made um, the Jonathan administration. Um, that created difficulties for them, especially when we when we look at the Occupy Nigeria protests and all of that, and they were acting like activists looking for good governance and and so on and so forth. But I mean, that did bring Buhari to power. What what brought him to power was his alliance with the ACN of the Southwest and a, a few other uh, um, politicians from the from the southeast, particularly Rotimi um, who who supported and funded uh, the election campaign, but it was primarily the ACN guys, Tinobu and Co. So, I mean, if I'm going to blame anybody, I'm going to be hold up, I mean, which which I've always done, is holding those guys responsible because they were they were key pa- participants in that. I think he, he tries to centre himself in the conversation and act as though, look, I have this heavy influence and it's almost like reverse psychology like look because i have the influence i mean it's natural that you want to blame me uh, and so he's saying don't don't blame me for for worries or no he's blaming you. all we are saying is that for me whenever tunde bakari comes to my mind it's always a function of somebody that clearly has poor judgment and somebody who continues to abuse the so-called calling that you know, he says he, he has, and I leave that to God. As, as somebody who, who is a Christian, I leave <laughs> I leave that to God to to deal with that. But um, this is just another uh, piece of him trying to, you know, stake his claim to relevance, and I make nothing of it. Thank you, Phoenix. Awesome, uh,
0: Phoenix seems to think that Tunde Bakari was not a real relevant uh, factor in Buhari getting elected. So my first question to you is, do you think Tunde Bakare played a key role in Buhari getting elected in 2015? Oscar, do you agree?
2: I, I don't think uh, Tunde Bakare played a key role uh, in that uh, victory of uh, Buhari to power because when he ran with Buhari, they didn't win. And actually... Uh, let me give you some insights maybe you don't know. I was a I was a member of tunde Bakare's church, not just a member, I'm a cat carry member even in my house, even up to tomorrow they host a um, um, church in the house in my house. So uh, he didn't play a key role in that uh, winning of of uh, Buhari. but the problem is, even it, it was Bakari that made me to understand that all these pastors are scammers. They just want to relevant, And all they want is to, oh, all all, all, Nigeria as a fair state and the government failure have given them relevance and put money in their pocket. That is why Nigeria is the way it is because when you see them speaking, you think they are speaking for the favor of the masses. But at the end of the day, everybody wants their pocket because I have been in the church when bakari said um if a uh, passenger come out and say he's not a nobody man he will stop preaching but it was so am- amazing that when his her, his mother died passenger was in that barrier when he had his birthday um Tunubu was in that uh, bed you start questioning yourself are you are you what, what's going on when people speak as if they are speaking truth to power, and then you see them and this power having dinner on the same table. So these are the complications sometimes when you look at it in Nigeria context. It's it's make you confusing. You don't understand, you don't know what to believe anymore. But the truth of the matter is that Bagare didn't play a key role in that thing. And I don't see any, I don't I don't see a reason why anybody should blame Bakare for, for Buhari failure. The only thing I, 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 I am against is that at this point. He protested during Jonathan regime and I accepted him to do the same, like come out, condemn whatever Buhari is doing and lead the, and lead the role of a protest like he did during, during Jonathan. That's what I, I'm so mad with him and I, I begin to realize that all these pastors are not honest to themselves or honest to the masses. Thank you. I'm sorry I didn't tell people, my name is Oscar. I live here in California. I'm an indigenous people of Biafra, I mean Biafra because Nigeria is not going to work anymore. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. My, my follow-up question to you is, you said you still, Tunebakari still has, you still have uh, Bakery services in your house. So how, how do you reconcile that? On the one hand, you say he's a scammer, but you're still attending his church?
2: I, I was a member of his church, right? Like I told you. And I said, up to tomorrow, they still hold the. Uh, church in the house, like house fellowship in my house, you understand, they still come around whole. But I have told them my stand a long time ago, like like four, five years, uh, three, four years ago, that Bakare have failed, fail us as church members, have failed the Nigerian people. And I uh, have always been outspoken. And you know, in this church leadership, I want to tell you that that's when you want to be part of this church, we found out that they are even worse than these politicians because whenever they want to, they, they make it a family business. At the same time, they make it a kind of, a, they put people that they can trust. They cannot lay hold. So a church in the house is a kind of a, a, a small people living in the street that comes and pray, you know? So it's hard for them sometimes to change location like that. But I have made them stand. But you know, my wife is still like, I kind of accommodated them, but for me, I have given up on them long time ago.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. Um, back to you, Phoenix. There's a quote that the newspaper reports uh, highlights. Tunde Bakari prophesied that God told him that Buhari would stabilize Nigeria. Tunde Bakari has a large television following, large social media following, and he's very influential in diplomatic and civil society circles. So are you sure that Tunde Bakary's support for Buhari did not at least get him a significant number of votes from the Christian community,
1: Phoenix? I think it's hard to, to say whether he did or did not. But the, the way I the way I look at it is to try and say, who, who, who are all the parties there? And in, in what order will I rank them? So if you tell me Tunde Bakary has a church, has an audience and all of that is his audience has as large as that of the redeemed Christian church of God. Because we know that by virtue of having um, Oshibajo as number two, that, that more likely swayed, if we're talking about Christian votes, and, and <laughs> I think it was the 2015 election that this first came into the lexicon of Nigerians, but if we are talking about Christian votes being swayed, that was more likely to have been the reason for it, because of course they have a larger audience, they they have more more people, and and they had one of their own, a pastor, who was very clearly even close to their general overseer, going to be number two. So one can say that yes, that I mean I mean that could have been that that was more influential. So I would I would therefore then have Tunibakari lower down in the pecking order. Then I also look at his political um, antecedents. Does he have any strong political backing beyond being running mate to Buhari in 2011, which as we've established was a failed exercise. And we can even say that we, we wonder why he didn't sway Christian votes at that time to come along with him. But I mean, let's play along and say, what, what were his political antecedents? I mean, he brought nothing to the mix. He brought nothing to the mix. The real mix that that really a, a enabled Buhari to come to power, where, as we said before, the 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 ACN and then the money money bag from from the south south and southeast in the form of uh, Amechi, and then perhaps will bring in Rochas as well. So for me, I mean, I, I I'm not I'm not to, I'm not I'm not saying that he's completely irrelevant, but I'm saying that don't blame me ascribes. As too much relevance, too much importance in the scheme of things than was actually the case, in my view. That's the point I'm making. So it's not to say that, I mean, uh, what's his name? Bakari is a nobody or nothing. We all know that he, was, he's, he supported Buhari twice and he has continued to show that support. I mean, the quote that you mentioned, I said that earlier. So that's not, a, that's not in doubt. But if we went out today and said to people, what swayed you in 2015? Was it was it likely to have Tune Bakari? I'm sure. It, it, I mean, it would be very few people who would attest and point to that and say it's because of Tune Bakari they decided to go along. Maybe his church members, but I don't see how large his church is that would have that swayed that. So, I, I think the more the more, I think for me, I've just gotten to a point where it, it's it's important to. Um, Eschew distractions and, and, and people like Sunday Bakari who like to hug the limelight and always be, be out there claiming relevance, I would rather just, you know, ignore them. I mean, nothing that he has said has come to pass. He promised, he, he told us that he heard that Bauri was going to stabilize the country. We all know the states in which the country is today. So why should I listen to him or even pay him any mind? So there's no point. So this idea of someone blaming him is just a red herring as far well as I'm concerned. Well, let me
0: ask Oscar, because Oscar is be a member of his church. Oscar, I know, I'm sure a number of people in your church must have voted for Buhari in 2015 and 2019. Would you say Tunde Bakari was the reason why they did it, or were there other reasons why? why?
2: Maybe some people might, because of Tunde Bakari, voted for Buhari in 2015. And uh, like my brother, my, my brother Phoenix says, Tindem Bakari is taking critics as a blame. It's not a blame for, for me. I think people are like angry with him because during Jonathan regime, he led a protest. He supported, uh, he supported uh, Buhari, and Buhari is not performing, and he cannot lead the same protest. People are angry with him, not like blame, because you can't blame any man for any other another man's uh, action. He even for me, like I voted Buhari, you can't blame me, but I did my civic responsibility as a Nigerian, hoping that PDP is not doing well. Now Buhari has failed. I, I, I'm also criticizing him anywhere you see me. I don't have anything to say good about him. Then you can see some people might be the reason why they voted Buhari. But for me, I have voted Buhari before even he, he took uh, Bakare for for as a running as a running man, so it was not my reason for voting for Buhari, but as so a church member, when he pick up uh, Bakaria, things so of church member tend to go towards this Buhari direction at that time. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Oscar. I'm going to ask our third guest, who has just arrived. Um, we have Samuel Ogundipe. Samuel Ogundipe is the editor of the. He's a journalist and editor of the People's Gazette. Uh, Samuel has just arrived, just in time, because the story we're discuss- discussing actually came from your newspaper. So, Samuel, um, this Tunde Bakari's role in the emergence of Buhari in 2015, in your own political journalistic expertise, how, how significant would you say Tunde Bakari's role was, Simon? That, sorry, Samuel. Um,
3: yes, um, hello. could you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Samuel. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. Um, I, I apologize for joining a bit uh, late. I was um, engaged on some another call actually, so and it took a, about another 25, extra 25 minutes of my of the scheduled time. Um, so I really apologize um, uh, for this uh, coming late and um, thank you very much. For the invitation, and um, I have to also thank all the panel members. I can't immediately find their names right now, but I know that um, they are all um, individuals of uh, uh, great personalities. Um, I have to just, you know, um, say it was necessary um, at the time that it uh, it came. I mean, the endorsement of uh, Tunde Bakre. Tunde Bakre had. a large following, and then not just that—he was another additional um, assurance to um, the people of uh, uh, Southwest, if not the entire um, Christian South. You know, assuring them that look, uh, Buhari is not going to be the Janjaweed um, uh, kind of leader that some people have uh, um, said he was going to be during the campaign. If you know what I mean, so. Um, So he, it was additional um, leadership that he played. If somebody had said, "Look, I ran with this guy in 2011, and um, quite frankly, I didn't find him so uh, uh, great a character," you know, um, when I ran when when I ran as his running mate, you know, he's really not the kind of person that you should. Uh, um, vote for, or uh, perhaps he's a is a good community leader, you know. Perhaps um, he he has this or that personality, but when it comes to um, governing Nigeria, um, Buhari is just not the person you would expect. Perhaps it will it could would have uh, you know made a significant uh, impact in the election. We may never know, you know. We may never know, even though it looked like everything was already set, you know, for his uh, victory. And all that, but nonetheless, you know, it's in a political season. You just may never know what could tip um, an election, especially, you know, notwithstanding not how you look at it, the 2015 election that uh, brought Buhari into power was not entirely a blowout, you know. But that's for um, uh, those who extrapolate elections, those historians and all that, not for the uh, modernized citizens. As far as anybody is concerned, um, Buhari was you know overwhelmingly like, accepted and um Jonathan wasn't, you know, Buhari's mandate was uh, absolute, you know, and all that. But that wasn't the case, but nobody remembers that. Really. So that's just what I wanted to make, the points I would make that look, look didn't you know what um how Tulebakari's uh, endorsement could have been, but I think it was a plus uh for Buhari, who was struggling to uh get the the, 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 the assurance to, you know, to have the confidence of uh, people, you know, across the South, especially, of course, um, the Christians. Thank you, Samuel.
0: Um, in my view, I, I think I partly agree with Samuel that Sunni Bakari's support was a plus for Buhari in the sense that he was able to convince the Southerners and a lot of Southern Christians in particular that Buhari was a safe bet, but on to our next story, which is Attorney General Malami has allegedly been attempting to plant pro-regime stories in the Washington Post, New York Times, and other Western newspapers, and they've rejected his 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 uh, his, his, his overtures. And in particular, the reason why he's planting these stories is because. Of the poor human human rights record of the Buhari government. So, firstly, to Phoenix, is that part of the role of the Attorney General to be paying to plant positive PR for the Buhari government in Western newspapers? Is that within his remit, Phoenix? I, I
1: mean, to 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 put the question in context, um, can he can should Okay, the, the way I want to address it is this. Should a an attorney general of the federation be trying to um, image make for his principal and their government? Um, I think there's nothing that precludes him from doing that. Um, whether they are allowed to use um, government funds, again, um, <laughs> one needs to check from what budget lines they are drawing these resources and if it's something that they that they included in their appropriation uh, bill that is submitted and that was approved by nas because of course pr is a an expense line that most organizations have and if it was approved i mean then it's powerful the course i mean I, I for me it's it's not so much as whether he was doing something right or wrong it was more about I mean, whether I mean, it was more about the, the the story about it being rejected, and what that should have told them, and whether they should have taken that back, and tried to fix things and and you know get things right, because I think this story had and and I remembered it when I saw it again. Uh, this was it this week or last week. I remembered it from 2018 that I had seen. Uh, something pop up at that time and therefore when I did some did my research I I found the story again I think it was premium times I was talking about it then and actually named the lobbying firms that were being used um, to to plant I mean to plant the the op-eds or the stories to to make sure that the government looks good Um, apparently at that time they had gone through the entire process but I mean, they, they didn't actually put in the stories and it seemed like the story just died away and nobody remembered it until it picked up again this year. So it seems like it's the same story because I'm seeing the same numbers, the same $8,000 and all of that that was paid to these two firms. Um, but the story wasn't, wasn't, wasn't put through. The, the, what I read in that story then, this 2018 story, was that they wanted to redo it or update the story because events had overtaken what they had written at that point in time, and uh, and and therefore they had to uh, to take that back. So now we are hearing that they were actually rejected, um, which which surprises me because I, what surprises me is the Washington Post is a lib, is a liberal paper, and what you would and. And when you write an op-ed, unless it is something totally egregious, they will let it ride. I mean, we've seen things that are worse that have gone onto the pages of the Post. Um, I think it was, I mean, for instance, there was this op-ed that was written by, was it Tom Cotton? I think it was the Washington Post. One of these uh, senators in, in the US who wrote something really, really crazy. Was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. But which we created an opera. So for me, it's a bit surprising that that they would reject it unless it's because, unless it's something egregious, because ideally what they do is they, they want to hear all voices, and then they would do an editorial or something if they have a view view on it. So I was quite surprised that um, that they are being rejected outright by by um, the post and the New York Times. So one would need to really dig into that and understand what's going on. Um, I, I, I mean, we do know that, I mean, there have been other op-eds that during the time, I mean, from just before he he took over in 2015, he wrote one, I believe in, was it was in the Wall Street Journal or New York Times, I can't remember. And then in 2016, there was another one for, for the WSJ. Last year, there was one that was, there was an op-ed by Buhari that was in Newsweek where he was talking about the post-COVID world and all those kind of things, trying to sound like he really understood what was going on. Even though everybody knew that, (laughs) those were clearly not his words, not his thoughts. So I'm I'm a bit, for me, I'm I'm a bit surprised that the the story is that the, the, the article or articles are being rejected because it's coming from Buhari and their human rights record because Traditionally, what you find is that they they allow different views and then will do um, an editorial or something, or unless they are seeing outright lies or something like that, that they think would affect them from an image or reputation perspective, then they will will shut it down. So, and it's also surprising that we're hearing it from this side and it hasn't leaked from that side. Um, So, I mean there needs to be more to the story. And it's great that we have Samuel here that can maybe share some more light on that. Thank you, Phoenix. Well, uh, Oscar,
0: uh, the reasons given by the newspaper reports is that the Malami attempt wrote these opinions or tried to sponsor these opinions to push back criticisms, criticisms of Buhari's human rights records and alleged persecutions of uh, Christians in Nigeria. I know you're, as a, as a member of IPOP, how, how would you respond to that? What is what is your view? Do you think the newspapers did the right thing by rejecting his, his money?
2: You know, thank you, um, Michael. And uh, uh, welcome, Samuel. I was surprised that Samuel used that word, Janjaweed. I thought he was our leader, and they can't normally use that word, Janjaweed. It was amazing that he still used that word, Janjaweed. Anyway, to your question, I would say that, um, you know, as a member of IPOB, you found out that Nigeria found themselves you know, in a very critical situation, and they, and they know that IPOB have uh, taken a role of telling the world the truth. And that is why they feel like sometimes maybe their image makers are not doing are doing much that is why the attorney general has to take that role thinking that he can do it but there's this adage in my language they said some when you're wearing a wristwatch you don't use a mirror to look if this watch this watch is uh, good so that's the thing something that is true everybody is so glaring that these people are not doing well and the woman, the level of human rights even with the uh, IPOB when they started a few years back, was some even um, Amnesty International make a report on it. So they are doing everything, trying to promote Nigeria image. So maybe he thought somehow, uh, if the people that are supposed to have that role are not doing well, he can do it on his own. Like, you remember there's a time, um, there's a time uh, gabba she who said uh, um I- IPOB leadership has been spending like $85,000 every month to to protect Nigeria image very in a very bad mood so you know they are doing everything they know that they, they they are not doing the right thing but they are even the the the, the Buhari government Buhari is not even in charge so we call it presidency because now it's no more president it's the presidency so everybody comes they, they keep making mistakes from left, right, and center because everything they are fighting is they are fighting how to get IPOB down and tell the world that what IPOB is saying is is not true. But they know we are saying the truth. That's why everybody from Shehu to Adesina to uh, Attorney General. Imagine when they were him one time, they asked him why are you, why they arrested the show? Right? And he was said treasonable for They said there was no proof of all this. He said, I say it's treasonable for learning, So it's treasonable for mm-hmm. That's the kind of people that are managing our, 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 our government. They, they don't know what they are doing. So when they don't know what they are doing, they, any, they have money to throw around so they can do anything they want. So I think it's not his role to do that, but he's doing it because maybe the, the, he feels. That the people that are doing it are not doing it well and they have to do something about it before things get out of hand because when everything will blow he is going to be at the general of nigeria maybe when anything concerning the lego part when people will take some people to hike or something and now that he might have a role to play maybe uh, that's that's my own opinion i don't think the in, in the whole sense you know that they are trying to cover their lives. that's the that's the what they are trying to do thank you Thank
0: you, Oscar. I'm, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question because in my personal view, I, I agree that the Buhari government has a terrible human rights record and is not doing enough to protect the rights of uh, Christian minorities in Nigeria. And but what, one area where I think they might have a point is they have proscribed IPOB and said IPOB, the, the Nigerian courts in particular have proscribed IPOB and said IPOB is a terrorist organization And I know IPOP tried to appeal that, but has been unsuccessful so far. Now, we've seen videos of Unamdi Kanu, and we know IPOP has created a military wing. I think it's called the ESN, an armed military wing that is basically rising up against the state. So in my view, I think the Nigerian government is right to to describe them as a terrorist organization because why should a group be taking up arms against the Nigerian state,
2: Oscar? Um, in the prescription of IPOP, before prescription of IPOP, you will understand that IPOB have never been violent. What we have is only our flag. Today, Odua people are, are flagging their own flag. Have anybody touched them? Have you seen any shootouts? They kill us in Nimbabwe. They kill us in Nangwa High School just for flying our flag, just sitting in one place and, and singing songs. And they come massacre almost 100, 1,000 all of us. They keep killing us all this while we started this agitation. And uh, at, the, at this point, we are even mad within Nandekali because at the time we we were like, this guy is allowing our youth to die. And uh, what do our used to? We didn't do anything. We are just coming out to say we were, they are agitating. At that time, I'm not even mem- part of the, that movement. Uh, they are just coming out to say, they need a uh, Biafra. They don't have gun. They don't have any, even ordinary, ordinary stick, they don't have. And they, this government proscribe them as a terrorist group. But it was hard for the government to proscribe Boko Haram bandits, Meetiala, who has been uh, recorded. they have been shown that they are the fourth dangerous t- uh, terrorist group in the world. And they never proscribe them. And uh, at that point, now IPOB become a dangerous species, and they have to defend themselves. But that's not why they are from ESN. And uh, to correct you in this question, ESN have never taken any arm um, against Nigerian government. We, they, uh, they have never taken arm against anybody. They have never killed anybody. It was a vacuum that was created by the eastern governors after Omote was created. And the uh, IPOB was telling the governors they, they wrote the governors and said, protect your people from these Fulani henchmen that are. Uh. Even what provoked uh, uh, IPOB leadership to create ESN was one, one of our sister was killed in Anambra State. Was, she was raped. After raping her, they disbanded his body into pieces and share it inside the bush, these Fulani people. Secondly, the killing in Obi. Was going on, and the IPOB leadership was telling this uh, our governors protect your people. Uh, 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 these people in the west have organized and opened up uh, uh, a security outfit. So uh, do something like that and protect your people. And these people were, were, they, they don't care, and they don't want to do it. And that's why IPOB leadership arise because it's people that were alive that will answer the be Because if they kill all of them. Nobody's gonna be BFRAS. So he have to we IPOB leadership have to take that responsibility and form ESN. And he we he, actually IPOB leadership make it very clear that they are not gonna fight any government official, they're not gonna do any uh, any 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 anything with government. They are going to shoot into the bush to make sure they read out the bush from all the fallen and marauders and all these uh that are not allowing our mothers to go to the farm, and that's what they have been doing from the beginning up to this moment. It's only the Nigerian Nigerian government that go against them by looking for them anywhere there. Even today, they have have not even killed an ESN. They are killing innocent people. Immediately, they see you dress well or you move around. They kill you and say you are a member of ESN. We never take any weapon. This is a very wrong, wrong perception that. Yeah, ESN have taken up um, against the Nigerian government. We have never done that. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Oscar. Um, there are newspaper reports, which I've read, which Nandikanu celebrated the founding of ESN. And they have been reporters that reported attacks by ESN on prisons, as well as a military a police armories to take weapons away. Um, So I I, I don't think it's quite it's quite correct when you say ESN has has not attacked any kind of state institutions. But I must bring in Samuel at this point. Samuel, this news report that Malami is is paying to try to plant stories in Western newspapers. Do you know where? Can
2: I say something on that? You said. And okay, I'll cele- give you one minute one minute you, you can
0: respond but I give you you have one minute to respond Oscar one minute
2: Carlos celebrated the six months uh, um uh, esN was formed and they are doing their job there have never been any proof that esN have attacked any government for inform- any government security information or uh, or free anybody from the prison because this, this, you know, this Nigeria propaganda, this, pre, this president propaganda, a um, uh, prison was attacking over it. Immediately, the uh, police IG said it's IPO. And everybody wanted to buy that idea. The next day, um, China uh, uh, interviewed uh, the governor of Imo State. The governor of Imo State was shocked that the camera, what the camera captured, was not even Ibos. He said that he was not ESN that do that carried that attack, and he have also come out after them that eighty percent of people doing uh, doing the the attacks in Imo State are not ibos even. Go and check. He, he was he was in China. And that's where he's spoke. In. So people coming to say that IPOB take arms. Um, I don't know where they are getting that information. I don't know. Thank oh, you. Oscar,
0: before I bring, I'm going to bring in Samuel, but I just want to quote. There's a report. From the Council of Foreign Relations is dated 9th of February 2021. The report quotes Unamdi Kanu as telling his men to cease fire against the Nigerian military because there were clashes between them. Unamdi Kanu told his men to cease fire and now focus their energies on the raiding heads of herdsmen. So this is documented in in a Okay. You know,
2: well, actually, what happened was in our know, look when the military came to our law, the military came to our law and be killing people for no reason. They were killing people, saying that it's ESM And uh, you can't allow your people to fold their hands and they're being, being slaughtered like animals. And he have to, uh, he ha- even before he do anything, he even told the governors that see what is going on. You people should put these people back and stop killing the innocent people and stop attacking USM. And they refuse. And these people have to go, uh, these people have to defend themselves. But no, no, Oscar, sorry, we'll we'll bring
0: you back because I need to bring Samuel. What what the report is confirming and what you're finally conceding is that, yes, there were clashes between the Nigerian military and the armed wing of IPOP, ESN. So they did take up arms against the state, which is the point I made earlier. But I, I will bring you back, Oscar, but I must bring Samuel now. Samuel, the... As I, was, as I was saying, the, the question is asking you, Samuel: Is this money that Malami is using to uh, to pay for favourable news in the Western media, which budget is that money coming from, and why is Malami so desperate to improve Buhari's image? He's not the only person in government. Why has Malami taken this upon himself to be Buhari's image maker, Samuel? Samuel, are you, are you there? You're on
3: mute. Yes, I am here. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, well, actually I would say that, uh, I mean, I, the Nigerian state or the pocket is quite um, deep, um, deep in not in the sense that um, the government has enough um, resources as you would, I mean, as you would uh, say of uh, perhaps China or Japan or the United States. Um, I'm just saying that the the, different ways, I'm talking in the context of different ways that the government could, uh, um, you know, make money, I mean, take money out, especially um, money that could not be accounted for, you know, you have what they call the security vote, which not just the uh, president or governors get, you also the ministers um, also get. And in the case of uh, Malami, anyway, the Attorney General, we know the powerful role he has in the administration Um, So uh, the money could have come from anywhere. There is absolutely no um, transparency in the Buhari Buhari regime. I mean, um, previous governments, we've had complaints here and there about transparency. But in the case of Buhari, you know, it's as if uh, um, we didn't even have the FOI uh, acts, you know. They will tell you they are responding to FOI, but they never respond to something very critical. You know, everything they just hide, you know. Um, and that's quite uh, uh, unfortunate, you know, in the part of, uh, of transparency, you know, and accountability in public service. Um, why, uh, of course, I mean, he, he, the money was was not refunded, as we reported, you know. Um, we 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 may not necessarily be able to tell why they assigned him to do it, uh, but not, I mean, it's it's, 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 it's the AGF he has been wielding power in the government. So if you have uh, that much influence uh, you know, in a government, you may want to uh, portray the government in a good light. You know, uh, I thought Malami has perhaps, perhaps uh, more stick than you know, any other minister in the Buhari gym right now that I could um, you know, see. You know, because he's so powerful to the, I mean, he makes appointments, he appoints, he fires, he, you know, gets stuff passed, you know, and um, he tells the president, this is the way to go, you know, um, he tells the president who to prosecute, whom not to prosecute. You know, it's just, you know, it's just very, very um, uh, powerful, you know, um, to the point of, you know, um, Advising the government to suspend the constitution, uh, which, uh, you know, after initially denying, he ended up doing uh, exactly that. You know, I mean, if not, if you have not suspended the constitution, how do you say you want to uh, prosecute people uh, or individuals or organizations on the basis of a non existent law, you know, right? So that essentially means that you have taken their constitutional rights away already. Um, how do you ban people from accessing something that is in the public uh, a public space, you know, and all that and all that? So, um, he he just he did it because he, he you know he's a powerful person in the administration and, and uh, People's Gazette. Uh, our report, you know, on this thing was based, you know, specifically on a document from FARA, you know, which is a Foreign Agents uh, Registration Act of the United States. So it wasn't it it, it wasn't a you know just a scoop that only also you know but we just happened to be the uh, only or first newspaper to get a hold of uh, that story you know and also um, you know for the most part um, newspapers news uh, news organizations generally across the country have been very very afraid to to you know look into what Buhari is doing so it's even possible that uh, other newspapers might have come after, might have come, you know, uh, seen the documents uh, before People's Gazette, maybe not some of the critical ones so on online, maybe not uh, Saha Reporters, maybe not Premium Times, you know, maybe, uh, but just that some papers, it's possible that some other media, houses perhaps a newspaper or a TV or something, might have a uh, radio, might have seen it, but they didn't use because, you know, they are afraid of, um, you know, um, being seen to be critical of of uh, a powerful attorney general and in fact Buhari Buhari government um, in general, so that may be it. So we didn't. That's why you didn't see us putting exclusive on the on the on the story. You know, we just ran it as a as a story because it's a document. It's a public document. You know, it does, It's only in Nigeria that you know things are not being disclosed, right, and, and and all that. And of course, there are some municipals that would see such documents in the public domain and then still be writing, reporting it as exclusive, which is, you know, which is not the way journalism should work. So it's a public, the government, the U.S. government documents that showed clearly that, oh, this uh, thing, this this uh, project uh, was pushed, you know, um, this amount, you know, they offered money for it and then the newspapers, news organizations are concerned, um, you know, rejected. Uh, and I mean, of course, the reason why they rejected such, you know, may not be farfetched. You know, um, the opinion that uh, Phoenix was trying to uh, allude to earlier was perhaps most likely going to be the one of July 2015, shortly after Buhari assumed office and when he went to the United States uh, and met with uh, uh, former President Barack Obama, in which he. He wrote an opinion in the Washington Post, you know, talking about um, how his administration was, was going to shape, you know, reshape, uh, you know, human rights, uh, govern Nigeria well, um, security, economy, and you know, all sorts of things that he he threw around, you know, just so, those uh, old platitudes. And since then, it was after that, you know, a few months after that, that you know he, he the, the Zaria massacre um, occurred and he, he came on national television to justify the massacre of over a thousand citizens, his own citizens, you know. I mean, that's something that um, the Washington Post most likely would have paid attention to. And of course, the New York Times, don't forget in 2018, um, also did this report story on the, uh, uh, the killings, the shooting in Maraba, you know, of, again, the shot. you know, um, in which the New York Times was able to bring to bear uh powerful investigation uh tools you know um uh, to, to 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 kind of like um reconstruct you know the massacre in maraba how you know military men mounted on a gun truck were opening fire directly into civilians into crowd of civilians you know of uh uh shy demonstrators so you don't expect uh i mean it will not be not just hypocritical but you know uh somewhat uh, unethical. Yes. Um, I mean, of course, anybody has a right to opinion, but it would be unethical for you to just take an opinion from such a regime, you know, um, um, at face value, right? You would have to look at such you, you wonder, uh, how could the same government now come to you and tell you that, oh, we have good human rights um, records. You know, um we have seen we have seen attacks against um Christians on a on a on an alarming scale. Um, under Buhari, we don't know how this, the, those who are killing the Christians, um, the perpetrators, why they became emboldened and all that. But you, you don't forget the report by the Christians today, you know, that, that we said Nigeria was the uh, worst country, you know, um, in terms of uh, bloodshed of uh, Christians, where Christians were murdered. I think over 1,356 um, Christians killed, I mean, unjustifiably and all that, if not far more than that, you know. Um, so So basically I'm just trying to say, that you you, so you don't now write an okay trying to sugarcoat you know search and you expect a western um that has been following the issues you know to to take you at face value you know um you can write opinion but um i'm afraid it's not the same way that it works in Nigeria in which people use opinions to lie um, uh, you know, shamelessly, with I mean, that to just lie entirely without without uh, any recourse to facts. No, your opinion is, you can opinion it, but your opinion must be based on facts. You know, you, you if you make some claims in your opinion, you know, the claims must be factual, you know, and that's one of the reasons why uh, People's Gazette, we do not uh, run just any op-ed anyhow. We do not run too many op-eds. You know, we have a close circle of uh, opinion writers and where we will be taking our opinions from you know outsiders or new individ- new contributors, we try to ensure that we fact check anything that they say, so that it doesn't just seem as if, you are hiding behind, oh, it's my opinion, you know, to 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 tell outright lies, to embellish history and all that. It's not the way our opinion should work, and that's exactly what um, the the New York Times um, and other media organisations in the United States who rejected, including the Hill, who rejected Malamis' um, okay op- 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 you know. Um, have point. thought perhaps that a media could learn uh, from that, look, opinions at least should also be based on fact when you make claims. So you can't just come and say, oh, the president, there is no uh, attack. You know, the, the residents have some good great, great human rights record. And people will say, they will ask you, uh, okay, can you justify and you are unable to justify actually. You know, and then you, you just lie and you know and lie and you know and all that. And when people proceed, they look. We saw soldiers moving dead bodies and all over the place. We saw soldiers killing uh, yeah, uh, citizens. And the president was on national TV justifying that. So how how do you want to cover that up? You know, um, it's it's quite difficult. So and that's and that was why they saw the what they did. I mean, what they, why they did what they did. Um, of course, uh, Malami. You know, it's quite interesting. That they govern Nigeria uh, the way they want to govern Nigeria, they don't care not just about the citizens, but about whatever the media will write, how their history will be documented, how their governments will be documented. They don't care, you know. They don't. It's as if they have no history, or I mean, they have no sense of legacy. You know how they should be portrayed in history. Um, so, which is why they've been rather, um, for the most part, reckless in in governing Nigeria, and then. You, you so you don't care not just about your citizens but about your media, and then you want to f- find a solace you know if you want to find somewhere in the West to help you you know write something well about your government. So believing of course obviously that what the West what is documented in the Western press you know, you, uh, will, will override you know in history in, 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 in the perspective of history, what is written in your own country. Sorry, sorry to cut you,
0: Simon, because um, I'm going to bring you back in when we discuss our next topic, because one well, of the issues you're raising relate, also relate to the next topic. So let, let's pause it there for a minute before we come back. Uh, the next topic is the Nigerian government seeking to amend the Nigerian Broadcasting Commission Act to bring internet broadcasting within their remit. So firstly to uh, Phoenix. What are the practical implications of, of, of this? does that mean for example this podcast we would have to register with the Nigerian government before we can this this podcast can be downloaded in Nigeria is that
1: what it, is that what it's saying Phoenix? I think that's I think that's what that's that's the reach that uh, uh, the government and especially like Mohammed is reaching for I mean essentially what he wants is that all online media so any any form of media that is consumed online um, should come under the remit of the the NBC, which is not the case today. Um, And so definitely podcasts, um, um, one even wonders if they, they, I mean, he he talked about Twitter, but they, they could very easily extend it to even the spaces that people are now using a lot. I mean, having discussions. For me, I mean the, the the implications if they if they are allowed to insert the kind of verbiage and and the the kind of um, clauses that he wants to put into the bill will give them very wide reaching to interpret as they deem fit anything that is posted online should come under under their their, their control. One must also bear in mind that not only does he want to to bring that on the NBC, but he is also putting in language that suggests that even further removes the independence of the NBC because, I mean, people have complained that he has an overbearing influence on the NBC, even as it is currently constituted. He is putting in language that allows the minister for information to actually be be a party to or dictate the the manner in which um, the NBC carries out these actions of determining Um, I mean, what what has been done wrongly or or what comes under his remit and and so on. So it is clearly a means of censoring or controlling the online media space, particularly social media, particularly uh, these kinds of mediums where people are, um, I mean, are exercising their, their freedom of speech and, you know, also finding means to gag the press because, Right today, we now know that a lot of Nigerians consume their news via the online space. I mean, Samuel is here joining us where, I mean, who is editor of a, of a predominantly um, um, online uh, medium. And, and that is now going to come under the NBC if uh, if Lime Mohammed is allowed to get his way. Thank you, Phoenix.
0: Oscar, now this, Bill is quite interesting because if if Phoenix analysis is correct, it means even your party leader or your organization's leader Nnamdi Khan, will be forced to register with uh, Lai Mohammed before he can broadcast his speeches into Nigeria. So what what are your thoughts? Do you agree with this power or alleged power grab by Lai Mohammed?
2: Um, Michael, um. To answer your question, first of all, I want to make a disclaimer here, like, uh, whatever I say here is like, is my own, uh, own, I'm saying on my own self, not on behalf of uh, IPOB or IPOB leadership, because I don't hold any leadership position in IPOB actually, but I'm speaking as an Biafran and uh, as a person who this country called Nigeria have failed. And uh, when you said the military clash is the proof that uh, ESN have taken uh, arms uh, up against Nigerian government, I think it's not the right word to use because uh, if we have taken arms against Nigeria, I, I think we will not even allow the military police to operate on any of our borders. But that is, by the way, this bill, you know, sometimes my problem with Nigerians is that we we have come to realize that Nigeria will not work. Even them that are in the political circle know that Nigeria is not going to work. But they keep deceiving people. And that's why they want to shut out the media. Like all this whole thing about media, people think is because it's because of IPO. They just want, they have tried to, they have wrote it, they have tried to shut IPO Biafra uh, Radio in UK. And they told them that this company have not done anything wrong for them to shut it down. They have tried every possible best to shut Carlo from broadcasting. And uh, they have paid a lot of money to Facebook to, to suppress the truth that is coming out from IPOB. And that's why they are doing everything they are doing. And now everybody's gonna suffer the brunt both if, if the whole thing is shut down. It's not gonna only be IPOB is gonna affect. It's gonna affect every Nigerian like me and you who have space in the Twitter. We have so many places. You that have this uh, podcast to, to promote Nigerian politics. all these things are gonna be, everybody's gonna be affected. And uh, that's to show you how evil this government can be and what they are doing. And that is why sometimes when I see people trying to be like the decision and the call today, everybody is able to talk because what the, and the color and IPOB leadership have done. To put this government on their toes, and they keep putting them on their toes, making them to know that whatever they are doing, we know about it. So coming to the media, all this thing, answers uh, and all that, and the registering all this and that, just to sh- all only to shut down the agitators. That's that's their that's their plan. There's no other thing they want to achieve from it. But if they go ahead and do it. Everybody, people are doing business on Twitter. People are doing business on Instagram and Facebook. And when they started doing all these things, it's going to affect everybody. And this is a country who have never done any good thing to his own citizen. They are killing their own citizen. There's no light, no electricity. No People are managing to, to, to provide for themselves. And then this is why I always say that Nigeria will never, ever work. And, and sometimes when you see what this government, this government have only two days, only two years to live. And they are fighting this kind of fight of shutting down the media, shutting down everything. You ask yourself a question. What is this government? What is their plan? If they are going in two years, they are not talking about how to fix the economy. They are not talking about how to fix the road. They're not talking about how to how to, make people to, uh, how to convince people to vote them in the next election and show people the work they have done. All they do is to shut people down, We we'll tell you they have planned to suspend. If they have already suspended the, the constitution because at this point, they are not obeying anything in the constitution. So they are doing all these things to show you that they have an agenda. And uh, I don't know why we think that they're gonna give power easily like that if they are working so hard. Because if they, in case of if they lose, if they want to hand over the power and they lost election, they're gonna use media to carry so many things as opposition. But if they are trying to shut down the, if they are trying to shut down the media, like this, do you think they're gonna they're gonna be able to hand over power with all the offense they have done, all the evil they have done to the Nigerian people and all the agitators? That's why we we should realize that the time people come together and make sure that Nigeria is, is disintegrated is the more life we're going to save. If not, this contraption is going to continue killing any one of us. Even if when you have escaped from there, it keep killing you. Some of us are having mental health because of the things that are going on. You can't have leave your mother, your brother, your sister in Nigeria with the security challenges and you sleep well here because you have security here. So you have a way of getting you back to that point. So that is why I always say it. I have looked at every indices, every 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 data that are available that can make a nation war. None of them is available in Nigeria at this point. No pillar that holds nation together that is available. Imagine this idiot called uh, a spokesperson or youth leader or something, they call uh, a was saying that uh, if we do the one, Biafra like, whatever they like to do, if they want war, we give them war. And you want me, me, me and you to stay in this kind of country together as a one country, become patriotic when you have threatened me with war? We the same thing, repeat war, war slogan yesterday. And you want us to, they are shutting the whole media. They want to shut down. The only person that have resisted them all this while and have provoked them is only IPOB. It has been IPOB that they have resisted them. So that's that's the reason why they are doing all these things they are doing with media. That's my own point to it. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Oscar. Um, I would slightly disagree. I would say there are many groups that have been resisting with the Buhari government, especially the young people on social media. They have played an important part in holding the government to account. So I wouldn't necessarily say, it, it is Namdikanu and Aipo, but obviously we have to agree to disagree. Uh, Samuel, the, the final point goes to you. We have about three minutes to go. Um, in 1984, in Buhari's first coming, he passed decree four, which seems very similar to what he's trying to do now with this NBC Amendment Act. On that decree four, any kind of reporting that the government in its view considered to bring embarrassment to them was, was was liable for punishment They shot down the newspaper and detained the journalists indefinitely. And it seems that's what they're trying to do again. So Samuel, my question is, what is it with Buhari's, Buhari and press freedom? Why, why is he just unable to accept that in a democracy, the people should be uh, free?
3: So I'm okay. Well, um, thank you very much. Yes, I am here. Yes, um, yes. thank you. Um, actually, I may not uh, <laughs> be, um, able to tell behind beyond you know the 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 what humans are all about. You know, um, it's about principle. We all have our principle. We all have our ideology. We have um, um a set of um ideas that we. Um, live up to you know so in, in our lives you know um, so it's it's uh, rather straightforward why Buhari is um, fixated is dictatorial right it's, it's I mean he has military background yes but he might also be like this even without military background you know if this is if this is what he set out to do in life you know he would always pursue it you know some people are born democrat you know some people are. Uh, born communists, you know, you know, some people are born socialists. Some people are just ideologues, you know. Um, so, so it's it doesn't. I mean, I think it's just what Buhari is, um, and you can't change him. I mean, you if I mean definitely not um, when he has. <laughs> I mean, gotten to um, this age in life, you know. So, so it, it's it's. I mean, the only way you can make sure that um, Buhari's principles. Do not manifest in a society is to not give him power. It's straightforward, right? You, so you should not give him power. If you give him power, that's what he will do with it because that is what his life is all about. That's who, how he wants to be. That's what. So it's just straightforward. I, I mean, I have a set of ideas that guide me as a you know as a journalist, as a citizen, you know, and um, what I believe should how things should be done. You know, some people are just really just zealots. You know, so it doesn't really matter what uh, the question about whether why Buhari, why is Buhari like this? Why he did this in 1984, he's doing it again. You know, um, in 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 three or more than three decades later, you know, it it doesn't really matter. You know, Um, in 1984 he was in his forties, right? So you you can't expect to change somebody who is in his forties. It's just like somebody trying to tell you that you shouldn't um, subscribe to. Uh, democracy. You shouldn't subscribe to republicanism. You know, you know, it's it's just going to be very difficult for you to 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 imagine, you know, or to agree with, you know. So if you become a leader, you are going to pursue, you know, um, economic policies, you know, that um, you know are liberal in nature, not not um, statist policies, not I mean policies, rather not um, communism and all that. So it's just what I'm trying to say is that it is what Buhari is. You know, this is who he is, and he has always been like this. So even during the during the presidential campaign, as much as you had the pressure on him then, Buhari did not waver. He didn't, um, he didn't apologize for all the wrongdoings in the past, of the past. You know, he didn't apologize for killing, executing citizens, you know, based on a law that he activated retroactively. You know, so you don't expect him to back down now, which is the same thing he has done with panthering. Bantami did not apologize for all what he said, despite the massive pressure for him to do so to distance himself from all this. So Bantami will get out of office, and he will go ahead and be preaching, you know, back to his preaching all over the country and let people know, tell the people that look, do not ever back down on your beliefs. You know, um, I said it that I had, you know, I, I believe Osama bin Laden and all that. Even though I got political power, they were trying to pressure me. I didn't apologize for it. It is my belief. You know and all that and don't ever apologize for your beliefs so which is just a way to further indoctrinate people and make them and make them and make it clear that people should never apologize for what they believe in because he didn't apologize no matter how or decide the kind of pressure that he came under you know and all that and all that so it's who worries is of course i know for a fact that this nbc stuff is one of our uh, it's just another given of you know um the burry regime um the the big players, you know, in this whole thing, um, including Lai Mohammed especially, you know, they all know that this is not gonna get anywhere. It's just like Twitter ban. Look at the Twitter. Samuel, are you there? But but nonetheless, yes, I'm here. Actually, I'm here. So, but nonetheless, uh, people are circumventing it. So they know for a fact that the NBC is not gonna get, this NBC code thing that they are trying to write, it's not gonna get anywhere because it won't pass. You understand, it's not going to pass. So they know it and they just want to use it to wind, to waste Nigerians in the time of Nigeria. It's just exactly the same thing that they've been doing since 2015. So they know that for the next two years, you know, when we, before they get out of power, they will just be debating this thing and be bringing it back and forth and all that. It's, they are not going to achieve what they actually want to achieve because it is so insidious. It's, it's just almost impossible. Uh, no matter how poor Nigeria may be right now, you know, especially um, lawmakers, you know, from a section of the country. You know, are still pretty much um, a bunch of sensible individuals, for the most part, generally sensible, and they are not going to allow a, a law like this, you know, to 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 scale through, you know. So because no matter what, you still need the you still need the numbers, you know, in the parliament to be able to amend uh, the law, which is what they, they've done. They've sent their amendments, you know, their suggestions to the parliament. You know, it's now left for the parliamentarians to to, to throw this um, whole thing out because you I can't even imagine you know, it will be, be the government that would dictate what private organizations would do. Look at, the, look at the entire broadcast media. The entire broadcast media is, 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 is more like uh, state-owned media. You know, you are, they are not allowed to do a lot, too many things. You can't do calling programs. You can't do this, you can't do that. You know, and then you now want to have that same control over online media, which is where everything is. You know, there's almost no newspapers anymore. You know, all newspapers are now online, and they, you know, they do broadcast and everything. Even like for the guy, for example, the guy there, you know, will take broadcasts every day or from other organizations, and then be putting on their timeline and all. So you just can't even pass a law like this. It's just going to be a waste, just a waste of Nigerian time. I believe that this law is not going to get anywhere, but nonetheless, it at least, you know, uh, uh, further exposes, you know, uh, this proposal further exposes the mindset. Of the Buhari regime, and it is good that you know they, they pushed it, and then you know this has been documented in history, and that's all. That's all about it. But men of good conscience in the parliament will not allow this law to pass. I think I have that much confidence.
0: Thank you, Samuel. I I just hope that uh, the the bill does not pass and that common sense prevails, because I assume Nigeria had taken the path of democracy in 1999, but that is this Buhari government. Things seem to be moving backwards. But our time is up. So firstly, I must thank someone and thank you, Oscar, for taking time out to be here. I must thank Phoenix for co-hosting this podcast with me. And finally, I must thank our listeners for always taking time out to listen to our podcast and giving us helpful feedback. And some of the guests on Twitter were complaining that I stopped saying good evening. So I hope you heard you heard me say at the start, good evening, and welcome to Nigeria Politics Weekly. Uh, so on until same time next week as have a fantastic seven days to everybody.
3: Thanks Michael. Thank and you very much for having us.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you uh, but I have to tell everyone that um, in Nigeria we should start uh, defending going back to our region and defend our people because uh, this this Nigeria is not gonna work anymore. It's better we will us the truth.
1: I think we, I think we'll definitely invite Oscar back to have this to have a longer conversation on this well, well thanks Samuel and thanks Oscar for joining us uh good good conversation we've had today and thanks listeners for listening to us again have a great week ahead and please don't forget about all the struggles that we have against police brutality don't forget the sounds movement don't forget Lekki massacre and all of that and we'll, we will continue to talk about that here thanks everyone and goodbye